Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. everyone out there welcome to another episode of broadway breakdown my obsession i am your host matt Koplick. with me today is a fellow podcaster you know her you love her she co-hosts broadwasted uh with her co-host brian and kevin they get drunk on broadway with fun broadway guests and then her other podcast Broadway baby with her husband Jay and they convert their friend Alex into becoming a little Broadway fancy. I think that's I did a good job there. Yes, maybe. He did a great job. He's well on his way to a fancy status. Yes, we love it so much. Please welcome Kimberly Cooper Schmidt. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on, Kimberly. You are the first fellow Broadway podcaster I've had. So I look forward to talking shop. Amazing. I'm like, do I have the best mic? (laughs) (laughs) Because we're looking to get new ones is why. (laughs) This is where we uh, plug our sponsor, Good Mike from Good Mike Incorporate. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. No. uh, Welcome. Welcome. Kimberly, where are we catching you today? Where are you catching me? I am in my home. I am in my brand new second bedroom because we just moved mm-hmm. across the hall. And so you will see um, nonsense behind me. There is a lot of wonderful stuff. I love that you <laughs> said second bedroom. That was very luxurious. Oh, do you hear my washer going? Uh, I hear many things going. <laughs> I hear many things going. It's mostly the sound of promise. Yes. Listen, right now keep an eye on your own buildings people because the apartment across the hall that's much nicer than yours might be empty that is listen 2021 has been like a free-for-all of new york city real estate Mm -hmm. it's every it's every man for himself everything's up for grabs uh to quote jack donaghy on 30 rock it's new york real estate there are no rules like checking at an italian airport (laughs) that is exactly correct there are currently no rules even less than usual Absolutely. I almost, my brain is so hardwired, like very Dustin Hoffman-y Rain Man, because like, I almost went with the Jenna Maroney quote, which is where she says, like, check in at an Italian sex party. And I had to stop myself because that's not what Jack says. And I needed everyone to know that I knew. (laughs) Um, 30 Rock is one of those uh, shows I've been meaning to rewatch in, 
isolation. Mm. It it's me. good. It's good. It holds yeah. up. Yeah. Yesterday I turned to my husband and went, "Remember when we watched all of New Girl in January in July? <laughs> like, we've gone through so many phases." Absolutely. So, what have you two been watching lately? Lately, I feel like we're in a dry spell because I watched Bridgerton twice. Twice. Okay. Did uh, you, without spoiling anything for anyone, could you see hints to the big twist throughout the show watching it a second time? Yes. And yeah? that's why I watched it a second time. Okay. Because I had kind of called it and then uncalled it because mm-hmm. there's a pretty good red herring. Yeah. And then I did it. And watching it again, I was like, "Oh yeah, of course." Yeah. So I, I'm currently with my mother, and we've been doing a whole lot of binging. We're, we just started The Americans a few days ago, which, Ooh. yeah, they claim it's like a big gritty drama, but I'm like, this is a full on fantasy because Carrie Russell and Matthew Rice wear so many wigs, and they never come off. Ever. That is what I've heard. I am a big Alias fan, and have watched a few seasons of Alias in quarantine, and the exact same. Yeah, I'm like, I'm just, she, she didn't do her makeup. Someone who was as smart as her to be that kind of spy did not put that outfit together. Where's the fashion closet of SD6? It's <laughs> the whole thing. I'm like, first of all, not only are the wigs never coming off, they are maintained within an inch of their life. Like yeah. Carrie Russell has the kind of wigs. I'm like, RuPaul cannot maintain his own wigs in the way that Carrie Russell is maintaining her wigs in the Americans. And I'm liking the show, but I'm like, let's call this what it is, a fantasy. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So we'll get into Bridgerton again because we had a similar thing where like there was a big twist around episode three or four, or rather to say like a very dramatic turn of events in regards to Lady Whistledown's news. And yes. we were like, and we're like, oh, we think we know who Whistledown is. And then we were pretty sure that was a red herring then there was a new reveal and we were like no no no, this is a red herring we're gonna find out who the real one is in the and towards the end and then it ended up being who we thought it was yes that's exactly what happened to me i was just like they're lazy it's of course her yeah or them <laughs> i love i love how shady you are they're so lazy of course it's her yeah and then and then like in the middle i was just like perhaps Perhaps. Uh, so Kimberly, yes, I know that I did a really beautiful, eloquent job of describing both of your podcasts in detail. <laughs> I really captured the nuances, the essence yeah. of the essence of, of both podcasts. I did listen to, so I listened to two episodes of Broadway and one of Broadway Baby a few weeks ago. That's when I okay. reached out to you and I was like, oh, I like this and she seems fun. And today I was like, I should like listen to a couple more. I really want to like, get to know what this lady's all about so i listened to first of all we have a couple of overlaps with guests i bet Uh, yeah so not only this podcast but i used to do a web series called um baking it on broadway do you want to know a secret yes i have watched it (gasps) because i am myself a baker oh my god and there's a moment where i was like has anyone done a baking broadway thing and i was like he has and it's funny so i can't well thank you so much i appreciate you saying that because it's nice to know people see it and like it before broadway world stole it from me um as well yeah yep it's one of those things i'm very you don't have to say nothing i will just say i've been very open about it i thought i was crazy when their show came out and I'm not trying to diss the person who started it 
she works very hard for it. This is not about her. This is about Broadway world. But I thought like, am I crazy about this? 10 people the day it came out texted me and they were like, um, so your show's on Broadway world and it's not you. It's yeah. not just the concept. It was the editing style. It was the structure of the episodes. And then also there was some like crossover. So like I was pissed, but that I've made my piece with it. I will always call them out for it, but I made my piece right. with it. Um, but yes, always steal it back. I'm, I think it's time. It's it's time. I'll we'll do some Zoom bakings. Uh, yes, and I'll bring everyone back. Baskets. <laughs> Give baskets to all of Broadway. Uh, but yeah, we've had some crossover with both Broadway mm-hmm. and bro- and baking it on Broadway. We both had uh, Antoine L. Smith, and mm-hmm. he is the dreamiest of dreams. Yeah. Uh, uh, Adam Kaplan, Alex Boniello, Will Rowland. Um, there's someone else you had, Robbie, uh, Robbie Rizal. I listened to your recent episode with him where you yeah. watched. Okay, so I have, I have, I have a qualm with you. Okay. I have a qualm, and I've also a wonderful thing to say. The caveat is, I often remember nothing of what I've said, so please tell me. Same. What same, I did. same. First okay. of all, first of all, in honor of you, I am drinking whiskey while we record this. Yes. Wait, I had a thought. I was like, oh, I have to make a drink. And I was like, this isn't a drinking one. I don't have to. It, it's, but, I'm sorry. Is it a day that ends in Y? It's absolutely a drinking one. I know. So I have a seltzer, but maybe I'll go pour some gin inside of it. Exactly. This is how you know Kimberly's <laughs> listened to half of one episode of Broadway Breakdown and she thinks this is not a podcast where you should be drinking. <laughs> Any podcast is a podcast where you should be drinking. <laughs> of course. Have you listened to This American Life? Drunk all the time. Boys, you have to be. <laughs> oh, cereal? They were high on Molly. Um, <laughs> so, uh, first of all, listen to your second episode with Robbie, where you were live watching the trailer for Cats, and you were not immediately horrified, and I wanted to know why, because... I listened to the reaction and you were like, I think it's going to be fun. It's cats. It seems like they figured it out. And I was like, and I was so ready because, because girl, when they announced the movie, I was like, okay, the cast is interesting. I'm like hoping that they just know it's cats and like they do what they do. And then the trailer came and I'm like, oh no, Tom Hooper thinks this is like the next avatar slash green mile slash Les Miserables. And so I want to know why that didn't go into your brain immediately. And then when you saw the movie. Oh, the movie. Okay. So basically I have taken the stance on our show of the cat's apologist because I think it's fun, but I don't think it's high art. And I don't think it's like what people say, but like, I will go drink in hand, have a fabulous time watching like boys in spandex dance. Mm -hmm love it and so I try to overcompensate when people are like shitting on it mm-hmm. and I'm just like I think it'll be fine it's cats it knows it's cats like it can't think it's something else and I don't think it really clicked for me until I sat down in the theater and I was like it doesn't know it's cats <laughs> it doesn't know it doesn't know it I will say it. and I think I like most theater going folks this was the last movie I saw in theaters before mm-hmm. we're no longer allowed to see movies in theaters. Yes. I will say for myself, I went to see Cats at the um, I Pick movie theater in Fulton Market because I was like, if Our I'm going to see this movie, oh, well, I was like, if I'm going to see this movie, uh-huh. I need to be in a reserved seat that's made of leather or pleather, reclines, 
drink in hand, a nice meal in front of me. Like I want to be fed. I want to be liquored up and I want to have a luxurious experience. And I saw like an 11 a.m. at um, Lincoln Square. Mm-hmm. And like, it's not stadium seating yet. They're not recliner seats. And it was packed to the brims. It was, you'd punch someone for popcorn. Oh, geez. See, like- I recommend that's how you see cats because everyone was laughing immediately. Oh, Everyone so- in the audience knew it was cats. No one on the screen knew it was cats. That's the thing. Like our audience also is kind of like, but- I don't think I ever have seen a movie in my life where the moment it started, like the very opening frame, I turned to my friend and I said, oh, this is wrong. Because I thought like, I thought like, oh, maybe it's going to like eventually roll into like the badness. No, like the opening frame. No, 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 no. And I'm not- What was the opening frame? Because I had the same reaction. It was the moon and the overture, but the way that they framed the moon was like both cartoony and yet not cartoony. Like it was a very unrealistic version of realism. And it was very clear that like they thought they were going for realism and it just did not work. And the way that this that the camera panned down to the street and it just and the music was like coked up. So it was like three times faster and louder. I was like, oh no, Tom Hooper doesn't know what he has here. They keep letting him direct musicals. I think this is the end of that for sure. Cause it lost it lost so much money. Did it? Okay, good. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, people were there, because you know, a train wreck. Yeah, no, okay. but you can only ask so many people to like donate two hours of their time and $15 from their wallet to like just enjoy a bad thing. That's true. It probably ended at the rivers of Manhattan. <laughs> yes. Um, that said, on the other end of the spectrum of movie musicals, I listened to a recent Broadway baby where yeah. you discussed the prom on Netflix. Um, I saw that you have an episode on the prom, but I did, haven't listened yet. I think you'll like it. The audio sucks because I'm with my mom who I've been living with. And it's the first episode I've done with like a person in the room. And I didn't have the proper recording equipment at the yeah. time. I was too impatient. And so we did it once the audio was awful. So we re-recorded and then her audio was great. And my audio like kind of went in and out. Oh. So I was like, you know what? It's fine. I'll just keep it. So if you can get past the fact that like my audio is like a five out of 10, it's good. Um, right. But uh, you guys said something that I also said on our podcast. Wait, sorry, say what? I'm like, what did I say about the prom? I don't remember. <laughs> no, um, you guys did a whole round robin thing, which was which was nice. But uh, you said you, I, I think you all agreed on this. One of my biggest takeaways for like whether you liked it or didn't like it, or like how faithful it was to the show, the thing that really really bugged me, and I know that it came from Ryan Murphy because like I looked this up, I was like, did Bob Martin really think this was a good change? And then I looked up the two changes, and they were mm-hmm. adding Barry's mom and having that whole resolution, and then bringing Kerry Washington back to the prom. And the thing that I love about the stage musical, because like it has its problems overall, but I think the stage musical is very strong. It is the only stage musical I can think of, especially of like that genre of like satire-y, feel-good musical-iness that shows you every form of acceptance, which is like full-blown 180. People are like halfway there. People who aren't there at all, like it it runs the gamut. And- That's what I love about the stage show. It informs people who like maybe are kind of struggling with this journey of coming out. Listen, you're going to run, like you don't know how people are going to react. They could be super accepting. They could go the total opposite or they could like maybe not be there yet. And I love that bit with Alyssa's mom where she's like, we'll talk tonight. And it was sort of this like the Mm -hmm. first step. 
And Ryan Murphy's like, no, everyone accepts them 180 because if you don't, you're a monster. And I'm like, you're also kind of projecting to kids out there, like if their parents don't accept them right off the bat, they did something wrong in how they came out. Or that they will never accept them. Yeah. Or that it will take them 20 years in a low lit high school hallway to hug their mother. And their mom's going to have a badass wig. <laughs> My mom was like, who's that actress? Why did they cast her? It, she's so bad. I'm like, mom, that's Tracy Ullman. And she went, that's Tracy Ullman. Right. We had that same discussion in my living room. And, and as soon as James was like, oh, it's Tracy Ullman. I was like, I can't unsee that. And I also, how dare they? Absolutely, how dare they? Because uh, I think there, there was such an opportunity to have an actress of that actual age. Or like, if you're going to have Tracy Ullman, don't age her up so much that she looks like she's in a Tracy Ullman sketch. That's, it was exactly my point. Like it looked like she was about to come out with a ridiculous character. And instead she was supposed to just be like, I'm fine. Your father couldn't come because he still hates you. But here I'm doing like a whole Meisner scene with like tears down her eyes. I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't the wig. But like, also the point is not about Barry. Like this song is called, it's not about me. And although it like, obviously it doesn't intend Mm -hmm. that during her singing it, that is kind of the point of the show is that they're slowly learning. It's not about them. Mm-hmm. And so then to have the resolution be about him at the end is like, well, then what did we do here for two hours? Yeah. And also like, that, like helping someone fix his soul as well. Yeah. And like gave him closure in the fact that he was never going to get closure from his parents, like was able to release yeah. that, that trauma, which and I thought was really help important. Other people and their parents come together. Yeah. You guys know that scene too. Yeah, you guys noted with the Carrie Washington scene on Broadway, he says to her, like, you're going to lose her if you don't stop this. And they cut that, obviously. I know. And they had to cut that because now his mom is back. Yeah. And and wrong. Yeah. Whatever anyone might have thought of the prom, good or bad, like, those are just two things. There was like, yeah. It made me mad because what they did on stage was just so beautiful and worthwhile. And I was like, you really robbed us of those moments. Because they were yeah. beautiful moments. And Carrie, you know that Carrie Washington would have done a brilliant job with that scene. Yeah. How it was intended. They just wanted her to dance at the end. They, I think she wanted to dance at the end. She was like, I want to be in the finale. The best dress. I mean, was it a great I dress? Love that dress. I mean, like, yes, I suppose. But also I'm like, in what world would that character have that dress just hanging in her closet? In what world did she come back to the prom? <laughs> We're living in a fantasy world. I also love like in this town where like the fanciest restaurant is in Applebee's, Carrie Washington's kitchen is straight out of a Nancy Myers film. Yeah, of course it is. <laughs> because that's Ryan Murphy's aesthetic. He's like, right, that's what like lower middle class people have, right? Just like pure marble, granite, mar- marble, 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 yeah. marble countertops. Is that not what the poor do? Billy, I beg to differ with you. How do you mean? You're the top. Yeah. You're an arrow collar. You're the top. Kimberly, I have a game for you. We'll see how it goes. It is games. <laughs> um, are you familiar with the TV show Cougar Town? Um, in that I know what it is and who was on it. You knew that it, that you know that it exists. I knew that it existed. I follow Busy Phillips on Instagram. Who else would you ever follow? Um, <laughs> yeah. They came up with a game, and I don't know if they 
officially came up with it, but that's how I was introduced to this idea, which was they mashed up movie titles together and then had to make everyone guess it by sort of trying to find a way to combine the plots together in a kind of vague way. Love it. So I'm doing that with some Broadway. Okay. All right. Are you ready? Okay. Sisters from Concord, Massachusetts eat drugged gazpacho and go crazy. Drugged gazpacho? What do you think the sisters from Concord, Massachusetts are? I'm trying to think where they're from in Wonderful Town. But they're from- no, 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 no. Four sisters from Concord, Massachusetts. Little Women. Yes. Drugged, Drugged gazpacho. gazpacho. Laura Benanti was very funny in it. Oh, um, Little Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. There you go. <laughs> okay, here we go, here we go. Here we go, okay. I think you'll, maybe you'll get this one. All right. Okay. A flower girl gets some therapy. A flower girl gets some therapy? A cockney flower girl gets some therapy and becomes a lady. My fair lady. Remember Gertrude Lawrence? The king of that. No, it's because the word lady has to be connected. My fair lady be good? No. That's a good guess, but no. My fair. Uh, think Kurt Vile. I know, and I'm my fair lady in the dark. Yay! I, was like, I can picture the like title. Um, I get lady in the dark confused with on a clear day you can see forever. Uh, on a clear day you can see forever. Okay. Um, how do I say this one? Uh, a man were a man at a perfumery mm-hmm. writes secret letters and falls in love with a, with someone who can do the Lambeth walk. She loves me and my girl. Yay! <laughs> that was so specific. It really was. I had to get a little more specific with that one. I was like, I don't know how else to describe me and my girl. Um, okay, this one is a musical and a play combined. Okay. Okay. Roy Cohn and Ethel Rosenberg pitch a movie in Hollywood in the 1940s. But it's actually, it, the, it, the musical actually comes first and the play comes second. Roy Cohn and Ethel Rosenberg. City of Angels in America? Yes, indeed, E. McDeterson. Ethel <laughs> <laughs> Rosenberg and Roy Cohn pitch a movie. Um, absolutely, that's what happens. That's absolutely what happens in that show. Yeah. Um, I, did I have one more? No, I didn't, sad. Um, maybe I'll come up with another as we continue to do this podcast. Great, just throw it in. I, I absolutely will. Right. Those, were, those were more difficult than I expected them for you. I thought, I, the moment I said drug gazpacho, you're going to be like, oh, of course, the classic American musical, Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. No, you literally hit my two like weak points in the same question because I don't know Little Women very well. Okay. And although my college professor was actively in the show while I was in school, I did not see Women on the Verge. Okay. See, I was trying not to go too obvious with Little Women, because it's in the zeitgeist what with the Greta Gerwig version. And yeah. then for me, like the Winona Ryder version is canon. That said, oh. <laughs> Kimberly, you have an obsession today and I'm very interested to see how it goes. Uh, talk to me. What is your obsession for today's episode? Sure. My obsession for the, for these, these episodes, <laughs> like we're going to talk for five hours for today's episode is um, early 2000s. YouTube musical theater 
cabaret bootlegs. I don't know how to say it in like a coherent way. Um, Either did they, so you're fine. <laughs> that is completely true. Mm-hmm. Um, these are basically just the rabbit holes I would go down at, you know, 3 a.m. getting back from a party in college. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm not tired. I need to watch Jay Johnson sing before I go to bed. <laughs> And so I just have like, I just picture my twin extra long bed, my black MacBook from 2007. Shut the door. I have to leave. Kimberly just came for me. Kimberly Cooper Schmidt just came for me in my gig. She peed all over my room and she said, your memories are now my memories. My memories are now your memories. And you have no say in the matter. So, okay, so uh, yeah, you sent me the playlist and yeah, in my- long, I'm so sorry. It's totally fine. In my silly stupor, because I didn't have a lot of time this week. I've, I don't know how it's been for you with like 2020 slash 2021. Like I'll have a month where there's nothing. And then all of a sudden like three weeks, it's like, oh, yeah. I have no time. Um, I did that two weeks off for the holidays. And then was last week my first week back at work? But it had been like five days of being back at work. And I was like, Jay, I'm so burned out. Like, I don't, I'm so stressed and burned out. And I was like, I'm sorry, last week I couldn't think of what to do. So I watched Bridgerton again. (laughs) It's, you know, like small blessings. But yeah, like the last three weeks have been insane. And so I didn't get to sit down and listen to the songs until this afternoon before the episode. And Mm -hmm. it definitely took me back to a time. Uh, Yes, because are we around the same age? Maybe. I like to say that I'm both like 20 and 47. Great. Uh, I'm I'm 30. I'm 31. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, technically speaking, I said that 30 didn't happen this year because I couldn't celebrate with people for Wait, my 30th. When's your birthday? March 27th. My birthday is March 17th. How dare you? And so I also am, I keep saying I'm still 30 until I turn 32. Yeah, like basically 30 will happen when I can when I can have four people in a room with me eating cake, which like is looking possible for 2021. Yeah. And I was two days into quarantine, so I did have four people over. Okay. But they were my immediate neighbors. See, I had no one but my roommates, and I actually was in the throes of COVID at the time. No. Uh yeah. I was very lucky. It was like all my symptoms were classic symptoms and they weren't bad that like I needed to go. But it was also so early in the year where like you could only get tested if you were either dying or a celebrity. Yeah. So I got tested for antibodies a month later and tested positive for the antibodies. But it was I was no longer like achy sick. It was I thought it was trying to go away, but it was like day three of be- not being able to smell or taste. So my best friend had like, was so sweet. She shipped me these cupcakes for my birthday and I couldn't taste any of them. I know. So I was like, you know what? 2021, all I want is like three people with me and I want to be able to taste a cake and then I will be 30. Yeah, absolutely. And then I'll be 32. (laughs) (laughs) So back to YouTube. Yes. When did you start discovering these musical theater videos? I truly don't know because it was so long ago. Okay. Like, I, I don't think I can remember a first. What I think probably happened is in my one, like, theater history class, my teacher used to pull videos up for us to watch. But from, um, do you know Blue Gobo? 
Of course. It's where you used to watch all the uh, all the Tony performances. Yes. So we would watch stuff on Blue Gobo all the time. And one time something wasn't on Blue Gobo and he wanted to find it on YouTube. And he typed in the letter U, tube, trying to find YouTube. <laughs> like the and we were all like, it's, it's a while you. Are you sure you and I didn't have the same history teacher for theater? Mine was Leonidas Nicole at Emerson College teaching development of the American musical. And I'm pretty sure he was 90 years old and he didn't understand how the internet worked. Yeah. This uh, man was much younger than that and still didn't quite know how the internet worked. Um, <laughs> we have graduated the same year. I didn't get into Emerson. So now I'm like, well, if we're being honest, you're rather lucky. Anywho, programs. You know what? You know what? Emerson, the, our program was like super anti for a while. Was actually the YouTube generation of songwriters. So as was mine, and I was little rebel, um, because I sang blue hair at a cabaret. I sang a few other things, and I would have my friends tape them and put them on YouTube. And my um, professor found out and got mad. He's Did like, you I didn't consent to be in that uh, video? And so, like, you can't put it up because, like, and I was like, um, but look at all these and look at how people mm-hmm. have been. Like, I was like showing him, like, how it worked. I was like, this person was in this cabaret with this person. So then that song became their song. See how they've sung it at all of these other cabarets and now they're in hair? Mm-hmm. yeah well so emerson was kind of the same way they were like you're representing the program when you post videos of yourself yes, exactly and correct. like so are you saying that we're shit and thus like us singing on youtube that is-, is kind of like how it felt and i was like but michigan does it yeah well so like michigan was kind of a weird situation because like andrew keenan bolger was sort of at the forefront of like getting musical theater kids in college like on youtube yes, and out there and known blogs his, oh, I, of course I watched his logs and, and watched like all the clips from like the Michigan shows. And I went, oh my God, they know what's up. Everything they do mm-hmm. is perfect. Of course, in hindsight, we look back and we're like, oh no, there are like every program is different and like no yeah. one does it perfectly. It's all up for, you know, interpretation, but. I wouldn't change where I went to school for the world. I met all my best friends. I met all my wonderful people at Emerson. I met more wonderful people after Emerson. So it's like, you know, the road you didn't take. Yeah. Uh, I already forgot the next line of that song. I'm <laughs> I was trying to like chime in. I was like, mm, no, it's gone. No. So we actually, my freshman year, we did a concert of a lot of these YouTube songs. Mm. And on top of that, my senior year, we did a workshop production of Darling, the Ryan Scott Oliver musical that a lot of those songs in your playlist are from. So watching the YouTube channel today was- Was it very... on YouTube? No, nothing we did was on YouTube. The Darling? Okay. Some school did something from Darling and then it was on YouTube. Uh, Pace, pasted, pasted Darling and it was on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, we did We did like the first production of whatever the new version of Darling was. And we like did exactly. a reading of it and all this other stuff. And it was nice, like RSO and uh, Brett Ryback, who wrote the book at the time, came and worked with us on it. And like, you know, we're very collaborative. It was, it was a lovely experience overall. But I will say watching the YouTube channel today brought me some PTSD. That. Yeah, of not only like that show of the concert, but just like of being that time of being that young and that impressionable and just like f- thinking that so many of these people were just like the highest kind of celebrity you could get to. Yes, I remember I like 
wrote down like some notes and I was like, I have to talk about like being starstruck for from these shows, from like mm-hmm. these videos. Like Jay Johnson has been on our show a few times. We are like friendly. And literally the first time I saw him, I was just like, but you sang Song of the Dead Fairy and it, I watched it every day. <laughs> I don't know how to reconcile that I know you now. Um, it is a weird mix and also i will say re-watching this was the positive thing was yeah. seeing how many of these performers went on to become like much bigger players in the industry like some yeah. people like matt doyle had like done stuff by that point phoebe stroll but like i had no idea who helena york was or alex brightman or even really j armstrong johnson or even and- that, um, josh henry run away with me right with my introduction to him I, my introduction to him was Scott's Row Boys, but I remember seeing oh, Scott's Row Boys okay. being like, who is this person? Where the hell did he come from? Did they pluck him off? And I was like, it's the guy from the Runaway With Me video. <laughs> I, it's so crazy. It's to see how many of these people, like it was my introduction to Lindsay Mendez, yes, Betsy Wolf. So when like Lindsay, I remember when Lindsay Mendez and Betsy Wolf got Everyday Rapture, the feeling was sort of like, guys, Broadway finally recognized them like 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 this inside group of like youngsters who we all had invested so much time in were like they're they're rising up in the ranks and like when Alex Brightman finally got a Broadway show after like years and years of these because I know you know like with a lot of college kids with these videos like Alex Brightman was sort of the one who just like could never get Broadway for some reason and I I saw Glory Days and I remember seeing his name in the program as a swing and I was like, he's going to show. And then it closed. And then it closed immediately. Immediately. But like, I think when he find, when he did Big Fish, I was like, he's finally on the stage and he's saying yeah. words and it's so great. And then when he got School of Rock, we were all like, oh my God, it finally happened. Like yeah. it took almost yeah. 10 years, but finally Broadway's like, Alex Brightman, you are talented. Let's give you some shows. Yeah. And now he's a star. And now he's a star. Old star. So, you know what? Let's like screw history screw everything talk to me about your obsession with these songs with these videos i'm looking mostly at the kerrigan Laddermilk and rso ones yeah that is, that's ryan scott oliver for those of you who are newbies to it because yeah, in our funny. emails you said those are the ones that were like very much burned in your brain yes mostly because of darling because one of my favorite things looking back at this is that there was a time where there were warring peter pan musicals of up-and-coming songwriters yes and I remember one, like, I was like, one day they're going to wild party and like one's going to be on Broadway and one's off Broadway and we will all have these opinions. And like the Pasek and Paul one has died. Darling is somewhere. Sometimes. Yeah. So let's get to this list. I love that. Also, by the way, this, yeah. this obsession episode, I think we've maybe spent 10 minutes on the actual obsession. I know. But that's like a YouTube spiral. Like the obsession is just like finding new things. And also like at that time there wasn't Instagram and Twitter. So like finding new Broadway like was YouTube. Yeah. Through comments and subscribing to people and being like, okay, Famous in New York posts all of these. Um, And then I remember like my senior year. And then when I moved to New York, starting to go to all of these cabarets rest in peace the zipper theater oh yeah a lot of stuff at the zipper theater yeah like there's something about like those lights with the the brick wall yeah in the back of the zipper that just like calms me down Mm -hmm. mostly because of 
Gavin Creel's Do You Remember, which is a song I have listened to on repeat. I'm a huge Peter Pan fan as well. So mm-hmm. I think that's what hooked me into those. You're um, like, give me nine musicals based off of Peter Pan. I want one from the crocodile's perspective. Yes, I would. Um, I would like do a reality show where like you're just pitching me a new Peter Pan musical every week and then I get to pick the best one. How about a musical about the man who wrote Peter Pan and he's inspired by a bunch of whimsical young boys and their mother who's dying from something? Yeah, that gets cut in the pilot. Fantastic. <laughs> there are like three musicals I blatantly rip on this podcast. And Finding the- Neverland is one of them? Finding Neverland is the original and I always will because I, I- Peter Pan stand through and through didn't even see that show. Oh, pure garbage, mama. I Listen, I am aware everything is subjective. It's all of our opinions. And like with theater, people work on it. Jobs are at stake. I understand all of that. Yeah. And so and even I if I don't- Jordan and they made a mistake. They fired Jeremy Jordan and were like, fuck you. But also like, I did not like Be More Chill. I understand a lot of work went into it. So I tried yeah. not to like rip it a new one, even though I really didn't care for it. Finding Neverland was so very clearly like, created by a committee with like yeah. a focus testing group where they're like moms from Iowa what do you like I like bears on tricycles well there young it kids, is. yeah there it is young kids from Oklahoma what do you like I like when people play the banjo throw it in I like dances where people dance and their shadows also dance they did that once in a movie throw it in there like it's just it was so clearly like yeah. this demographic likes this this demographic likes this and it was even reflected in the set the set just looked like a I don't know everything. Yeah. It looks like every show that ever existed, but also boring. Yeah. Because I didn't need my love of Peter Pan to be tarnished. I also don't need like the message of the show to be like, just believe. That's all you got to do. Believe. I'm like, yes, believing cured Laura Michelle Kelly's cancer. Yeah, exactly. She died. because <laughs> That's she also like, enough. not the moral of Peter Pan. It's well, Peter like, Pan's kind of like a very cynical tale when you think about it. Yeah. It's like the dangers of of when you don't grow up and when you don't face reality and like accept responsibility. Like and everyone also, you like, love passes you by. Finding the joy in growing up because if you stay in one place, you'll get bored and you'll forget. And there's a yeah. lot of love in Peter Pan. <laughs> No, there's there is a lot of love but what i mean like it being cynical like it's not as you said it's not like believe believe it's all magic in childhood oh, yeah, not if you believe in fairies but like that's not the end be all be all of the story yes you know what song has the lyric clap if you believe in me clap your hands if you believe in me song of a dead fairy from darling the musical um are you familiar i will give you a little nugget of my soul that not many people know are you familiar with like Seth Rudetsky's early YouTube videos where he would like break down things? I believe they were called Obsessed. Yeah, well, so he had like two ses- things. He had Obsessed with Playbill, uh, where he like, had like Broadway people come got on. picked up on yeah. Playbill. This was like, yeah, this was when he was like just in front of his computer and he was like deconstructing singers. Yes. Yes. So my good friend Trent and I in college would make these for each other. And I did one for him about Song of the Dead Fairy and about the key change. Of course he did. <laughs> of the no into the key change because I thought it was the best thing I'd ever seen.
do you come back to these videos a lot over the years? When was the last time you like watched these vids? Um, I made this playlist actually maybe over the summer or like this time last year. The time means nothing right yes. now. Um, there's no cultural, <laughs> there's no touchstones for me in my memory of in this past year. It's, it's, all, it's today, it's five years from now and it's four months ago, all at the same time. I don't time. know. I'm like, well, I was sitting on my couch and I'm like, that means nothing. When, which, like, were you cold? Were you warm? <laughs> like, I don't <laughs> when this was. Um, Cause I was trying to explain it to actually Brian and Kevin. We all like made each other playlists of things. Mm-hmm. Um, cause we were doing like a show and tell series for our Patreon. And so I've just been kind of every once in a while going back to all of these. And it's so interesting because they like, at one point were just all I listened to in like 2009. Yeah. And this was like, my friends would put on CDs and I'd be like, I have this like playlist of, um, a Vermont reading of the bad years. And so I'm going to put that on. <laughs> Do you um, want to bring in my room or yours? <laughs> who's bringing the Mr. Boston vodka? <laughs> oh God, that was just rubbing alcohol. Um, okay, so I'm going to pick three songs. Right. And I want you to pick three songs. And then like, let's just, let's just discuss our emotions because okay. I have certain feelings upon re-listening to some of these songs. And I already told you I'm a judgmental bitch. So yeah. like some are positive, some are not. Uh, and I want to hear your stuff. So you go first. Okay. It's your obsession. I go first. Okay. I mean, part of me is like, should I go down the caddy route or should I go towards things that I love? And I'll give you a little bit of both. Love um, it. Oh, I didn't mean to hit the button. Oh my God. Push the button. <laughs> Push the button. We'll start with Gavin Creel singing, Do You Remember? Because he just sounds so healthy and beautiful and I feel like it's what I would put on to like go to bed mm-hmm. like it's a good like wind down from the day but also like it's a fair representation of musicals at this time or like new musical theater writers of just like I'm gonna tell you mostly a story and then we're gonna twist to a like knife to the heart Okay, so I'm actually very glad that I listened to that today from it because I was going through them and yeah. I was like, I'm just going to do after it's like 50 videos. You did a lot. I was, like, I, know, I'll just- I was like, I'll prune it down. And then I was like, but I don't want to take any off. So maybe I'll just tell them which ones I like the best. <laughs> and that's why I was just like, ah, just RSO Kerrigan Lattermark stuff. <laughs> Yeah, but so I, I listened to all the RSO, Kerrigan, Laudermilk ones, but I did listen to Accent and Prone. I was like, that looks interesting. And you no, know, Lawrence O'Keefe co-wrote it. So I'm glad I yeah. listened to it because you just mentioned it. <laughs> Amazing. So talk uh, us through Accident Prone. Accident Prone is a song that I have tried to find, the sh- like I've really tried to find the sheet music for a long time. And I don't mm-hmm. know if I ever did, but 
but it's just like this girl talking about how she like has just been very accident prone. She like broke a friend's leg. She broke a frog that her kindergarten boyfriend gave her. And she just like is klutzy and ruins relationships with her klutziness. And then at the end, she's just like- So she's Sandra Bullock is what you're saying. Absolutely, American treasure, Sandra Bullock. Uh, (laughs) But then at the end, it's just like, I've broken it for the last, I'm trying to remember the end, but the end just like brings it into just like, and I'm broken is basically how it ends. <laughs> like, yeah, because it's this very like funny song and then it kind of takes a turn. Yeah, which I feel like was a trope in like that time. I think everyone was like, let's write a song that like tells a complete story, but also has an emotional arc. Yeah, there's a, there are a lot of songs at that time where it's, yeah, there's like, there gets to be a twist in the last like, third of the song yeah and then it ends with like a quieter version of the first lyric or like a quieter version of the chorus you know yeah so okay continuing on with accident prone uh things you love about it so in 2008 loved the twist the emotional twist at the end loved to cry loved to like twit like be funny but then be like but i can make you cry like i yeah loved it at the time now I'm just like what show was this ever going to be a part of like was this just a cabaret like who were they writing these songs for and my impulse is that they were writing them for YouTube (laughs) they're writing them to be standalone cabaret songs and they are the TikTok of our time they are the TikTok of musical theater I think that is the best way to describe it um, Kimberly Cooper Schmidt, thank you so much for saying that. I feel less burdened with the weight of what I will be saying coming oh, along. Well, great, because I'm not precious about any of this. Fan, <laughs> yeah, <Fantastic. laughs> um, because I love it doesn't mean I think it's the end all. Well, so like I had Matt Lisey on, and his obsession was Sunset Boulevard. I'm like, so Matt, I'm gonna be fully transparent with you. I don't think this is a good musical please tell me why you love it. And I like, and I'm not being shady. Like I want you to convince me. Yeah, I was like, oh, I'm not going to, he's like, I'm not going to convince you. It's not a great musical. He's like, but I love it. I was like, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, it's a valid point. Yeah. I mean, honestly, Sunset Boulevard sometimes sounds like it was written by YouTube yeah. songs that songs that work better in concert than in context of the show. Yes, absolutely. Songs like, that just make the show longer. Exactly. So like, I will say, speaking of, darling uh there's a there's a song in darling so like i'm all over the place darling got very youtube famous in the musical theater world at the time because of songs like lost boy song of a dead fairy um yeah uh when lily came and yeah and when we did the show so we did like a dry reading first where they got like five or six of us to basically just like talk through the script talk through all the lyrics yeah and the the big thing they were having trouble with was like an opening number. They couldn't think of an opening number and they kept on trying to do something that was very like, like a party party scene and they couldn't make it work. And I remember we got to when Lily came and it was a mix of us who were like musical theater kids and drama kids. Cause nobody was singing for this reading at first. And we were sitting there with uh, Ryan and Brett and they're like, so what are your guys' thoughts? And one girl was like, um, when Lily came, it's not really necessary. It doesn't really do anything. And 
those of us in the room who knew sort of the whole YouTube trajectory were like, touched your pearls. Well, we, we, I was sort of like, you're totally right. But also like, we know it's not going to get cut because it has 50,000 views on YouTube. Like that song's yeah. never going to get cut. No. Um, it also like, it's one of those songs like it kills in concert because it builds so well when you have good women singers doing it. It's just like mm-hmm. nothing better. And it ends in like such a sexy way on that whisper thing. But in the show, like it never got a reaction. Like it ended with of me and the audience went, okay. Yeah. Like not even applause. It was like, uh, great. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Like, and sort of was the same thing of Song of a Dead Fairy too, because the Rent Boys were so underdeveloped at the time. Like we spent so little time with them yeah. that when we sang Song of a Dead Fairy at the beginning of Act Two, everybody was like, we we don't know you. We don't want you to tell us what to do. Yeah. Uh, so let's move on from Accident Prone. What's your next song? My next song, if I have to pick three. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so bossy. What's your next song? That's fine. We'll just go right to Run Away With Me. Because this was the song of a thousand iterations. Everyone sang this song. Everyone has their favorite version of Mm -hmm. this song. Which is why I put Michael Arden on my playlist. Because it was the first one I saw. And I was like, he's not the best singer. But it's the first time I saw it. Like, Josh Henry sings it better. Like, Josh Young sings it better. But like... There's a video of Josh Young singing it? Yes, there is. That will need to go directly into my inbox. Thank you very much. I will, I will find it for you. It's amazing. Let me be a ride out of town. Let me be the place that you hide. We can make our lives on the go. Run away with me. Alabama heat, sign me up. We'll be on the road like some country song. Won't be long. Sam, you're ready. Let's go. but it's another one of those songs where like it's a little too long it tells almost a whole story and I remember just like why isn't this like show going anywhere and then I was like because it it's just not sustainable I think like it's very like tumblr thoughts some of these songs where it's like yes oh what a good way to put it (laughs) sometimes I am very eloquent and then sometimes it's like (laughs) Do you know what words are? Yeah. But also that's kind of the Kerrigan Loudermilk aesthetic because for a lot of their like concert specific songs were a project they were doing of taking like journal entries or submissions from college students mm-hmm. um, and putting them to music like uh, How to Return Home and other more like one-off songs. So their aesthetic was very much just like in the mind of a college student. Yeah. That is very uh, fair. Uh, <laughs> well, so you talked about this earlier and I want to touch on it for a second. And I swear, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have some lovely things to say shortly. So nobody worry. I'm not trashing on anyone. These, these songs of the time, I want to emphasize like how young so many of these writers were. And so it's- So young. Brand- yeah, like Pask and Paul were part of this generation. It's more about like the promise. You look back and it's more about the promise that they show as songwriters because they had good hooks. Some songs do actually work really well and you can sort of totally see it in context of a of a show. Yeah. 
And then there are other songs. There became like a trend with these YouTube songs and you hit on it earlier. And I really want to drive it home for a quick second, which is these songs where they could never be in a show because they have what I call the unresponsive scene partner where like there is no world in which so many of these songs where you're supposed to be singing to someone you'd get away with singing it for yeah where you'd get away with singing it for four minutes because it's these monologues where you're essentially like it could be like a breakup song or like a I'm going through something song and they're so personal and sometimes so accusatory I'm like no scene partner in the history of the world could work with that because they're like I'm supposed to just sit there and take it um you know what that is it's the song equivalent of a Shonda Rhimes monologue do you know what I mean though when I say a Shonda Rhimes monologue yes of just like why are you letting that person still talk to you yes and how it goes on all these paths so for anyone who doesn't know and if you want to see an example of this I did a fake jukebox my old uh co-host John and I sometimes would come up with like fake jukebox musicals uh so we would like take a song catalog and like have to make a story out of it amazing so I did one with Whitney Houston called So Emotional and it was based off of all Shonda Rhimes TV shows. But there are these monologues where it's like someone says something and then the response is like, my aunt used to have a pet rabbit. And it's like, what? And then they go on this four minute monologue talking about equality and whatever. And then finally they go, so in conclusion, you do not get to speak to me like that because I am not your pet rabbit. And it's these like fun monologues to do, but terrible scene writing because no one would sit there and take that for four minutes. And not only that, like when there's just such an abrupt out of left field starter. And that's what a lot of these songs are for me. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's in 10 YouTube. And I remember I did Blue Hair at a Cabaret and I did something else. Oh, I did Perfect in college and like an acting through song. Okay, so Blue Hair, I really like. I actually think yeah. Blue Hair is a, it's a fun song and very actable. And it's two and a half minutes. It's so concise. Perfect. I like to think perfect was the song that made Pascal and Paul like learn about restraint and learn about scene work. I feel like perfect was the song they wrote so they could learn how to write Requiem for Dear Evan Hansen. Yeah. I mean, and in a lot of their stuff, you can see like where things come. I also think, could you imagine if like waving through a window came out in like a 2009 cabaret at the zipper would have viral. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it did like, go by. They did it. <laughs> they, they finally broke through. Well, so perfect. Um, but perfect, yeah, is a lot. And yeah. it is a lot of talking to a person who is not responding to you. And like, and like, I don't know, you had to make it. I mean, I did it in an acting class. Mm-hmm. Also, this was the era of YouTube where like, I friended Benj Pasek on Facebook and messaged him and said, is there any context for this? I'm singing it in an acting class. And, and he, he said, no. <laughs> I wish he was like, you know, she's with her guy and she wants to be perfect. She was like, no, it's like a standalone song, put your own spin on it, have fun. So I'm kind of on this uh, kick right now because I just had um, Jennifer Ashley Tepper on and her obsession was Malpe and yeah. Shire. And like Richard Malpe <laughs> Jr., he is so specific about like the context of the lyrics to the point that like I've done starting here, starting now. And every song has notes about like what the context is. Yeah. Because um, there should be context. Um, Here's a song that I want to shout out that I actually really like. It's actually okay. a double, it's actually a backhanded compliment though. Love it. Freedom. Mm-hmm. I forgot how much freedom slaps. It does. It is catchy as hell. I really enjoy the lyrics. Here's my backhanded compliment, though. I was super unaware with what the musical was or anything. 
And mm-hmm. I was made aware of this song, I believe senior year of college, we were doing like new works in class. Sure. Two girls did this scene. As you do. As you do. And they did great. And I asked like, does anyone know what the context of this song is? And my friend did, cause I guess he like went to a reading of Samantha Brown and he's okay. explaining the plot of like what's leading up to this song. And I, he finishes and I go, wait, what? Can you repeat that? And he repeated it and I still didn't understand. Yeah, I don't think I even remember. It's like her friend is dead and she's trying yeah. to remember. She's trying to remember her friend, but also like she didn't know her friend died until after she had sex with her boyfriend for the first time. And I'm like, so that's so the song takes place after she's found out, and it's like a memory, but also a fantasy at the same time. And he said all this, and I'm like, what? Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. And as I was watching it today, I just had this feeling, and I this is why. And I was looking at him, and I was like, one of them's dead, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you looked at Helena York and you're like, I she looks dead to me. What are your thoughts on freedom as a woman in theater? Um, I love it. It's hard. Yes, ma'am. It's very hard. I also forgot about the second half. Where they start doing the yeah. Yeah. And like, Helena yeah. goes off on this crazy thing. And I was like, oh, I kind of, in my mind, it just kind of always ended. But maybe that's just where I ceased to sing along. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Um, it definitely goes on for a while. Yes. Like a lot of these songs, it's just, you know, a chorus too long. Cut one of the first choruses, get to the bridge sooner. Yeah. You're out of there. Um, which is just a thing that happens with young composers. Yeah. Um, now being in my thirties and watching my friends write musicals for 10 years as well is I was always a person. I was like, I think this song's just too long. <laughs> yeah. You, you have to ask yourself like how long, can yeah. you imagine someone on that stage taking in that song from someone else, you know? Yes. And I think writers a lot of times are like, well, let's overwrite the lyric and then cut it later. And then by the time it's time to cut it later, they have forgotten and fallen in love with the entire song. And when you're just presenting it at a concert, you can do that. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Freedom, I will say, is a full-on scene. So like, they can yes. kind of get away with the length of it because there is dialogue. There's a whole back and there's forth. Stuff, about it. It's a duet. Yeah. But there is definitely a lag yeah. <laughs> in the middle of it. There's that there's a moment where it's and it's the and it's a problem with a lot of young writers that I keep on trying to remind them. I say this like I'm a scholar and teacher. I'm not just like like you, I have friends who are writing and like ask my opinion because they know that I have grown up with this stuff and that I am very honest with my opinion. Mm -hmm. I try not to be a dick. I try to, you know, be constructive about it. But like, ask yourself, like in these three verses, are you saying the same thing again, just differently? It needs to be a new idea or like a new shade of that idea, not just like rewording what you just said. And a lot of these songs is kind of that. Yep. So like with Freedom, while I do love it, there is like a middle verse. It's around the time where... um. 
uh, what's the name of the character? The Helena York character. The Kelly, Kelly, Kelly. Kelly, yeah. Kelly, on all of these religions. Yeah, that's, that's what I have to go to to remember the name. <laughs> I, was, I was like, Katie, Karen, Chrissy, Katie, uh, Kelly. Kelly drove on all of our road trips. There's a moment where she holds this really high note. She goes, oh, let's go, let's go. Pick a road, pick a highway. And it's fun, that's but I'm also like, about. yeah, I'm like, it's fun, but also like, basically you just took what the last three verses were about and repeated it in one verse. Yeah. And not only is it an extra verse, you just showed me that those last three verses I heard, I could have heard in one verse. Yep. Exactly. So now I'm angry. Yeah. And that was like me rewatching it today as I was just like, I don't remember this part. Also, it's not necessary or it starts here. Maybe I remembered it starting there. Yeah. I would love it if these writers, because it's, I want to also emphasize again, like these writers were young and they are very talented. We are aware yeah. of that, of how talented they are. And they've grown in, in all this time. I would love for like Kerrigan and Loudermilk to look back on freedom and like, which I know they did with the mad ones, but yeah. other songs as well. And look back and go, huh, we were onto something. Like, let's take what we know now and really make this work. Yeah. I would love that too. Yeah. I would, I would, I would love that. Will they? Who's to say yeah. it's their work. They can do what they want. Yeah. And I actually uh, don't think they write together anymore. Oh, that's a shame. I know. Like, uh, still working on their old things, but they're not doing new. Well, it was something that made me sad. Yeah, well, you know, new roads, pick a road, pick a highway. Any road, do it my way. My way, yeah, whatever the lyric is. <laughs> whatever, whatever the lyric is, let's go. Oh, and Halfway is right under it on the playlist, which I also enjoy very much. Oh, I I would like to discuss, ha- discuss Halfway as well. That Amazing. is a, Halfway is, you know what? Halfway's actually for me freedom cut the down. <laughs> Say what? For boys? Yes, for boys, for gay boys, which I love. Yes. But also like it is very concise. Um Yes. And really like, concise. let's see. Four minutes thirty. Which for a duet, fine. Yeah. And also, also halfway, I think the actual song of halfway doesn't start until like 30 seconds in. So it's really like four minutes. True, 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 true. Yeah. And uh, and freedom is like almost six. So yeah. So like, there you go. Um, ha- and like, I wouldn't say Halfway like is a song that would work in a musical with an overall storyline. It's clearly oh. its own little one act. Like it should be in a review, but it yes. tells such a story. It has a build. It it works so well. Um, I think the music's really great. It's definitely my favorite RSO song. And that was one I was really happy to remember because two guys did do it in class. And I remember liking it then. And I'm watching the playlist today. And I forget what was like, there was something I had listened to right before it where I was like, yeah, I remember the song and like to be better than it was. And then I got to halfway and I was like, I forgot how yeah. good this song is. Halfway is one that definitely lives up to the memory of it. Um, Cause I did the same when I was first putting this playlist together. Cause I was like, oh yeah, halfway. Like I was just kind of, I was like, I remember liking that song. Like, let me take a listen again. And I'm like, holds up, totally holds up. Holds up. But it's cute, like it's a cute gimmick. They're driving, they're meeting each other halfway, but like they're also emotionally meeting each other halfway. Exactly. Like <laughs> so cute. <laughs> <laughs> but Kimberly, don't you understand? She used to break things and now she won't break things anymore. Because <laughs> she's the broken thing. She's th- I have I I did a show once. I didn't even, oh, it was, I did Pinkalicious for like a children's theater and I played the brother, Peter, who's this pink, which 
slaps that show slaps but yes. Peter's was like always cast off to the side and uh-huh. the director gave me like a little toy bunny to play with in the show he's like I just feel so bad for Peter he's always shat on and I named the toy bunny Nora and my director said why did you name the bunny Nora and I said because both Nora and Peter live in a doll's house <laughs> <laughs> wonderful so like for anyone who's wondering like what the actors in you know aladdin or you know lamb shop on broadway are thinking they're thinking that how do i insert ibsen and moliere to to this pinkalicious (laughs) pinkalicious another oh uh i was just thinking of happy thoughts which is one another song just like always would work so well in concerts like audiences got so hot and bothered for it yeah like this is spring awakening a spring awakening dare to go there yeah spring awakening did coke awakening (laughs) did coke and said and poppers yeah absolutely (laughs) Uh, Uh, god i hope that sondheim listens to this He'll be like, concerts really did like prey on the Spring Awakening fans. Like what, darling wait. stuff. Oh yeah, darling definitely preyed on Spring Awakening fans. I was gonna say, what if Sondheim listened to this podcast and he went, "Cocaine and Poppers, what is this opening night of Sweeney Todd?" Sure. <laughs> what is this, Angela Lansbury's dressing room? <laughs> you think that woman got through? A year and a half of MAME without either of those things? Come on. So let's do one more song. And then I came up with three more challenges for you. <laughs> okay. Are you picking one? No, you pick one. It's your obsession. Ooh, okay. Um, I mean, you could do the thing that launched Natalie Weiss's career. That's literally what I was about to say. Yeah. Do I we saw that. Talk about I'm a star. Yes. Which is there. So Jimmy Larkin, who does uh, Let's Hear It for the Choice. Yeah. He did a bit about uh, I'm a star where he was like, there's literally a part of the song where I thought for a solid year, those were the lyrics and never realized that Natalie Weiss just lost her place and had to like come up with something. It's like, until I heard Eden Espinosa do it, I was like, why did they change the lyrics? Wait, I think I thought the same thing till this very moment. Yeah, it's where she goes, uh, when I stand on that stage with a dream I have waited, it's what keeps me alive. It's Those aren't the lyrics. It's supposed to be something else. She had learned the song either that day or the day before. I believe it was the day before. So she was on Broadway State, and that was another really random, like, starstruck because of this video. Yes. And, and what it- Quiet and, like, all of the other Natalie Weiss baby videos of 2009. Oh, all the Natalie. Uh, I also love, it wasn't in your- in your playlist, but there's a song called Poor Little Patty that she did with Dana Steingold, which is a song about Patty Hearst, which I'm like, you know what Broadway's missing? Story songs about Patty Hearst. Yeah, of course they are. Yeah, and the, the, the gimmick is like these two girls, I don't even know what the context, if it, this were a show were, but it's two girls who are kind of obsessed and jealous of Patty, but it's mm. not in a stalkery way. They're just like, ugh, I want to be that bitch, like that kind of thing. Absolutely. We've yeah, all and it's, 
yeah i want to be that girl in the mirror there i want to be like <laughs> that, that girl with stockholm syndrome i'm a, I'm a star natalie wise i keep distracting you all right sorry i'm a star um loved her dress went to a scott allen concert at birdland because of this video like was just like this is like what you do and then like later on when I was like she learned it yesterday and then if you watch what's also on the playlist but only because of the Natalie Weiss intro she then introduces John Groff singing now and talks about how he was supposed to be in her class at Penn State but he decided to go on tour instead and so they had just met for the first time backstage like they were supposed to be classmates and I remember just being like what like a fun little world the theater is in New York City <laughs> me at 18 being like they all know each other and then they're friends what a fun world in which they live they all know each other they're all friends and that then is... I like entered that world and I was like they all know each other and they're not friends <laughs> like... no that is very true um so I'm a star tell us talk to us Oh, it's just so good. And it's not my voice type at all. So it was one of those songs that like, I had to get over the hump of realizing I wouldn't be able to sing it. Mm -hmm. And then just appreciating it for what it was. Um, which, you know, as a musical theater student is often hard when you're like, but I can't be in it. So why should I care? Oh, yes. And so then uh, I treated it like all the boy songs. I was like, well, I can't sing it, but I'll listen. Yeah, <laughs> I learned at a young age, all the songs that I tend to love in musical theater tend to be girl songs. So when I learned that I will most likely never get to sing Call from the Vatican in public, I went, great. So I can be happy for people who sing songs that I cannot. It is, it, listen, she said- It's also like the pinnacle of this genre of my obsession is this video. It's just like, everyone was like, oh my God, this. And then I went, and all of this over here. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's definitely, it is a perfect representation of this era when you want to say like, why were people so obsessed with this stuff? Yeah. You point to that and we go, there you go. And also like, Look at Natalie Weiss now. We saw it then. We saw the birth of it. Same thing with J. Armstrong Johnson and Alex Brightman yeah. and Lindsay Mendez and Betsy Wolf. We saw these people who were just getting started on Broadway and are now who they are. Exactly. So let's yeah. see what TikTok and YouTube brings for the next batch of No, people. right? Love it. Now you only get a minute. Wow us. <laughs> like... You only get a minute. Wow us. I mean, that prepares you for the world like none other. Yeah, now all the songs are going to be too short and all of the musicals that come up. Oh, that, was, that was my problem with the Rat Tattooing musical. I was like, why is everything 30 seconds? Because they only had 30 seconds. I just, I didn't watch it. But I support, <laughs> I support their creativity and good for them. Yeah, it was fun. So, so Kimberly, three yeah. last challenges for you. Amazing. Okay, this one is a bit of a deep dig. I don't know if you're going to get it, but I want to see you try. Beth Level discovers Leslie Uggams and has her win a Tony Award. 
In the 60s. In the 60s? Yes. Mm-hmm. Actually, so let me, re- let me rephrase that. Beth Level... <laughs> Beth Level becomes a music producer of the 60s, discovering girl groups, and then discovers Leslie Uggams and has her win a Tony Award and Best Musical. It makes no sense, but those are all the clues I can give you. I know, and I'm like the tips of my fingers discovering girl groups. So one was a Best Musical winner that is never done anymore, and one was a big flop in the last 10 years and was a jukebox musical. And they share one word in common. It was a big flop and was a jukebox musical. Mm-hmm. And that level was in it? She, yes, she was a Tony nominee for it. She lost, I believe, to Sutton Foster in Anything Goes. Why do I think I saw this show? You would be one of seven. Really? That big of a flop, but still oh, she's yeah. nominated. Well, because she's Beth Level. Look at the material. I mean, I love her. I really don't think you're going to get it. Really not going to. And I'm going to be really angry when you tell me about it. <laughs> no, I don't think you will. I think you're going to be like, why did you think I'd ever get that? Yes. It's hallelujah, baby, it's you. I would have gotten to baby, it's you, but I wouldn't have gotten hallelujah, baby. Oh, see, I would have thought the reverse. Hallelujah, oh. baby is one of those infamous best musical winners where like it had closed by the time it won. I think it's, it's, it's either the shortest running best musical winner or the second shortest after passion. Amazing. Yeah. No, I, I was in the Bethel and I was like, it's not, it should have been you. What is that other show called? Baby, it's you. Baby, it's you. All yes. right, this next one. Irving Berlin and Lynn manuel Miranda get together to open a bed and breakfast in Washington Heights. Holiday in the Heights. There it is. <laughs> All right, last one. Um, oh. Be prepared to kiss in a shadow. Yeah, the Lion King guy. There you go. <laughs> Do you want to know why that was? While you were just thinking of it, I was like, if I had to think of one, it would be the Lion King and I. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll give one for him, but then you did that exact one. Okay, one la- one last one. I just thought of this one on this on this uh, on the fly yeah, on the fly. Okay. <clears throat> a con man travels to a small town where he's then imprisoned and puts on a show for the prisoners. The Music Man of La Mancha? Yes, indeedy. Yes! Now that we're closing, now you're getting all of them. I love it. I know. Isn't it perfect? Um, Kimberly, thank you so much for doing this tonight. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Where can people find you online, on the social medias, on the webs? Yes, you can find me at Kimber Coops on all of the platforms I partake in, which is mostly Instagram, Twitter, and I'm on TikTok, but more an observer. That is what I have found. People are more voyeurs on TikTok. They like to watch. Uh, You can find me on Instagram, Matt Koplik, usual spelling. If you like the podcast, give us a nice rating, a little review if you can, if you're feeling extra verbal that day. I love being thirsty this way, guys. I love pleading and and pleading for you guys to do it. The algorithm is no joke. It's very necessary as someone, as an also podcaster, please rate and review. Absolutely. If you like a show, just say that you like it. Yeah. You know what? Like, guys, I'm very sick and tired of seeing this straight culture, culture infiltrate 
my Broadway legacies. Let's reclaim Broadway for the gay Jews out there. And this gay Jew is the one to do it. All right. <laughs> I am when Broadway comes back, I'm going to become its artistic director. It wasn't a job before. It's going to be a job now. Yes. I tell what writers, what shows they're going to work on, what theaters those shows go into. And I tell Chicago what movie stars they can cast. <laughs> what a job. I'll be your assistant. <laughs> Thank you so much. I mean, it's a big job, so I'm going to need assistance. And, and like, it's a big burden, but someone's got to do it, you know? Yeah. I'll just take over Circle in the Square. Absolutely. All, you, all you're going to do is just bring fun home back. That's all you're going to be doing. Pretty much. Uh, like any musical I see that doesn't quite work I'm just like strip it down put it in circle in the square it'll be fine (laughs) (laughs) I really want someday for waitress to get a color purple revival where it's like cut the ensemble cut all those dancing pies cut the band on stage just bring it down one diner booth that is also the um that is also her home but it's also Africa you know because you know that's how they did it in color purple. Oh my god, chairs. Cha- let's, let's, I loved that revival so much. I saw it three times. Oh, it was beautiful. Yes. And I liked Waitress, but I did watch it going, Diane Paulus, Sima Dan now. I know we just came off of Finding Neverland and we like don't know the trees or the forest right now. Simmer down. We close out every episode with a nice Broadway diva. Have you thought of a diva for us to close out with this evening? A nice Broadway diva all of them mm-hmm. um but i'll just you know i'll leave you with audra mcdonald Does kimberly she- we're on episode 91 do you really think we haven't gotten to audra yet have you gotten to kelly o'hara yes we have have you gotten to laura benanti have you gotten to wait wait a second what we have not done benanti Benanti it is. I am ashamed, appalled, aghast, agooped, and agogged that I've gotten this far without Benanti because no tea, no shade, no pink lemonade. You're not the first person to be like, "Mm, have you thought of Patty? And I'm like, we're on episode (laughs) 50. You think I haven't done Patty yet? I'm like, come on, deep dive, deep dive. So, you know, we're talking like D. Hody, Ramona Keller, Ellen Green, things like Jennifer Samard, things like that. So I am now embarrassed that it's taken this long to do Panante. Well, my gift to you. Thank you so (laughs) much. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Uh, Again, like, subscribe, review. You can follow either of us on the social medias and have a good rest of your day. I hope that you enjoyed this episode, whatever it turns out to be. Was it chaos? Was it fun? (laughs) It was, Kimberly, that's YouTube. (laughs) Was it chaos or was it fun? Oh, absolutely. Take us away, Laura. Bye. Peppa, are you there? Are you there? Are you okay or not there? But we need to talk. My stomach's aching like I swallowed some enormous rock. I'm at the phone booth on the corner and have only got a minute. Cause I'm running out of change. Cause I've been lending all my money to my leak. God knows what man, I'm not exactly on a lucky streak. But this one really is a mess. I think I'm gonna freak. I know you say I'm an alarmist, but I'm not remembered. There's that time I thought I saw a spider. So if you're going to stand in judgment, that's how much you know. 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.